Hello, we're back with a new episode of Sailing Uncovered. It's been a while, so a big thank you for sticking with us. Also a big thank you to presentingacademy.com. If you regularly do presentations or media interviews, then check out their website. You'll find loads of help, presentingacademy.com. This episode comes your way slap bang in the middle of a Transat Jack Vabra race, uh, a long transatlantic race that goes from Le Havre in northern France across the Atlantic to Martinique this year. And I was in France for the start of it, and it was a terrific atmosphere. 79 boats in four classes. You've got uh, two classes of multi-hulls, the huge and super-fast all-teams, uh, there were um, five of them, seven boats in the Ocean 50 class, twenty-two, and then in the monohulls, 22 Imokas. Those are the those speedy thoroughbreds that uh, do the Vendée Globe. And then we had the class 40s, I think about 45 boats uh, competing in the class 40s, obviously a smaller, slower uh, boat. Around about 13 nationalities taking part. It is... Uh, I admit, a predominantly French-flavoured race. Most of the sailors are French, but some terrific stories um, behind it. And also a, a race with real pedigree. It's been going since 1993. Huge, huge history. And so uh, amazing to see so many people turn up at the race village, not just for the start, but for the week building up to the race. And my favourite story um, was that... Uh, kind of as a mark of how successful it was and how how so many people had come to the uh, town or city uh, to see the start of the race was that the whole of La Havre, the, all the bakers in the whole of the city had run out of croissant by 9.30 in the morning. Um, and you can see the start. There's a report of the start and also now just gone up on the Sailing Uncovered YouTube channel. You can see how the first week of the race has gone. There's a highlight show there now. That's the Sailing Uncovered YouTube channel. The other big news in ocean racing is Alex, Alex Thompson's decision not to enter the next Vendée Globe in 2024. It's a big blow to the race because... He is, without a doubt, the highest profile international sailor in the race. And it's also thrown up a lot of questions about not just his future, but his team's future as well. So, as always, the best way to get answers is from the horse's mouth. Alex Thompson joins us now. And given we've been talking about the TJV, Alex, you actually competed in the race six times. So just start off by telling us what makes it so special. Uh, well, it, it's obviously a double-handed race, so that makes it uh, easier in some ways and harder in others. Easier because you get to share um, the pain <laughs> and the enjoyment and, and everything else with somebody else, which uh, I, I think is always good. Uh, and also, not, often the, the TJV falls, well, obviously it falls every two years, and, and, and that can be, has often been the first race that the new generation of boats have done. So, uh it's always been an interesting race to do, and it's a challenging course. Um, it can be tricky with the winds at this time of year, as we're seeing this time around. So, yeah, no, it's a, a challenging race. It's good fun. You push the boats hard, and you discover a lot. So, What's your fondest memory of it? Probably my first one, actually, with Josh Hall in 1999. The course was going into Cartagena uh, in Colombia, and I think uh, uh, we finished in seventh. I think we were the last finisher. There was an awful lot of dropouts in that in that race, but uh, no, I remember having a, a great time. My first uh, 
Imoka 60 sailing with uh, with Josh Hall on Gartmore. So, yeah, they were, they were fun days. And dare, dare I suggest that 2015 was your worst memory? Oh, no, come on. That's, uh, I guess it could be, but you've got to also consider the... Uh, the uh, the 3G deceleration that happened in uh, in 2019. <laughs> so yeah, the last two Jack Barbs weren't uh, weren't the best for me. Tell us a little bit about them. Uh, well, in 2009, in uh, 2015, uh, I was with Guillermo, and uh, we got uh, rolled upside down by a rogue wave. So fully upside down, happened in one second. Guillermo was uh, he, he, to tell you a bit of a story. Actually, he was he just made a cup of coffee and was sat inside in front of the computer writing an email and, and I was asleep inside the boat and one minute, you know, I was having nice, uh, some nice dreams and next minute it was full darkness because there was no, no windows obviously underneath the boat and the boat was upside down and filled with water in seconds. And uh, yeah, Guillermo and I ended up, uh, we managed to right the boat, get her upside down, which is, you know, an amazing safety thing for the Amokas. It's one of the rules and it, uh, we'd never, I'd never even thought it was possible to turn one of these things up fully upside down. And in those days, we used to do the, the 180 test. So Guillermo and I had been upside down in the boat six weeks before this happened. And, uh, and then when it happened, my goodness me, it was like rabbit in a headlights. You know, you, we, uh, we were all a bit surprised. But, but yeah, we got, we got her back upside down again. We then got air lifted off. Uh, and then from the airport straight to the port, we got hold of a tugboat and uh, steamed out, found the boat, salvaged her essentially, pumped her out, brought her home, put her on a Santander, sent her back to the UK and uh, fixed her up. And then, of course, we came second in the Vendes. We eat a lot of peanuts on the boat, and then we're pumping out the boat with with a uh, you know with a diesel pump generator pump, and it was like a, it was like a peanut uh, you know pebble dash, probably <laughs> 30,000 peanuts getting fired into the ocean. Yeah, that was it was a pretty uh, pretty extreme uh, experience, I have to tell you. But uh, so so was twenty nineteen. You know, being uh, decelerating and stopping at uh, at three G was a was a hell of a was a hell of a you know a stop, and it could have injured me badly and Neil. So we were very fortunate to get away away with it, and uh, and then of course uh, we then had to sail eight hundred miles to uh, to the Cape Verde Islands without a keel, which was also interesting. <laughs> well, those sorts of Incidents, accidents can um, can really knock your confidence. Um, I was talking to Sam Davis before she left um, on this TJV, and um, after the experience, uh, you know, she hit an object in the in the last Vendée Globe, as, as you'll remember. Um, she she was saying that her co-skipper this time um she chose him because um she, she found she finds his way of sailing reassuring so it, it can have quite a, a big psychological impact on you can't it as a skipper um yeah I'm, yeah I, I imagine so but you know to sam you know what, what, what do you do sam's now not going to sail slower because of the incident you know it, I, I guess the analogy is you know, having a car crash in a, in a car, you know, you're going to get back in the car again and maybe you will think about it a little bit, but you know, there's, there's, you know, there's not much you can do really. Mm. It's one of those things that happens, you know, okay. I think, uh, you know, I think in, in probably both our incidents, incidents, you know, having, you know, some new text and the whale pingers now, hopefully it's going to start reducing some of these incidents because, you know, apart from, apart from having to, uh, you know, to look after ourselves and, and our boats, you know, obviously most importantly is you've got to look after what's in the ocean because that's their natural habitat. 
looking at uh, the field, looking at the fleet that's out there at the moment doing the TJV, so many big names, um, so many potential, you know, favourites. Who are the ones to watch? There are some clear favourites to me, you know, particularly in the old teams with with uh, Jatana team, with Frank and uh, Charles. You know, they're, they're a notch above everybody else. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised how close uh, Francois is with such a new boat. That that uh, that that speaks very positively, and it looks to me like Armel has you know done done a good job to get back. So um, so you know I think in in the old team class it looks closer than I thought it might be, um, which is which is exciting, and and it looks also in the the fifty fleet looks to have closed up a little bit, which which again is nice, and I think it's very tricky conditions. You know people aren't going to be worried about you know huge storms and you know being beaten up now. Now it's just a a, a real tactical you know, a uh, game of chess, really, to try and get down down, and keep the breeze and keep going fast. And I think um, in the Amoka class, obviously, I'm paying most attention to. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I, I'm surprised again and pleasantly surprised how, how well uh, Thomas Royant and Morgan Legravi are doing on linked out. Apivia is, to me, the clear favourite here, but, you know, they've, they've seemed to be doing a good job to, to match and stay you know, very close. So they've obviously made some really good improvements, um, particularly downwind. So that's really good. And and obviously Jeremy Bayou is is in the hunt. He's always going to be in the hunt as far as I'm concerned. And it's, you know, to see Sam in there with Nico, I mean, yeah, they're, they're sailing really smart on a boat that's, you know, not supposed to be as fast as these guys. So she's doing great. And of course, she's going to get her new boat. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're going to, we're going to see a very competitive, very dangerous Sam Davies coming up so uh and uh, obviously in this this race is marred a little bit with the with the dismast two dismastings which is very surprising um you know we've seen a very a very uh reliable fleet in certainly regard to the masts so I'm, I'm surprised and i'll be very interested to know you know why 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 these masts have come down uh, and one of them in your old boat yeah absolutely yeah you know that that mast is i, I don't know if it's the same mast but it's, it will have done some miles for sure um, but, uh, you know, I, I regard these masters pretty bulletproof. I mean, they need managing. You have to manage them well. And, and there's a few things, you know, you can't do without. So there, it, is, it is possible to, to uh, you know, to make a mistake and dismast, you know, fairly easily. But, but even so, you know, it's, if, if these guys will be managing the mask very well. And I, I very much doubt there's an awful lot of human error that comes into these things now. You're going for a Pivia in, in the Amokas. Um what, what do you make of those um, monster all teams? How do you think that's going to pan out? Uh, you know, I think Titana uh, will, will play out first in the end, but, uh, you know, we've got the, the new boats from, from Bank Populaire and, and from Francois Gabar. So, you know, I think, I think the, the future is looking nice and bright and competitive. You know, the, these guys still might even, you know, you, you imagine you put a new boat in the water, Alec, you, you're improving rapidly you know, how, how the boat performs, you know, but it's in minutes now, you know, every hour they're out there, they're learning and those guys will be getting slower. So the development curve or the performance curve is, is vertical with, with the likes of Armel and Francois. And whereas Gitana, you know, it's, it's going to be much flatter. So you may, we may even see that these guys start learning enough and learn how to make their boats go faster to challenge Gitana. But, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, maybe uh, my, my feeling is it's a little bit too early, perhaps. What, what about the future? What about your future? 
you're not calling it retirement, um, which we I think is fairly clear because um, retirement's a, a big word, um, but you're not doing the next Vendée Globe. So just give us, explain the parameters then of, of your decision. Uh, yeah, it's a fairly easy decision for me, Alec, because, uh, you know, I'm 20 years in and uh, 10 years ago, my wife Kate and I had our first baby, uh, Oscar, and uh, three or four years later, we had uh, Georgia. So they're 10 and seven now. And, you know, for, for a Vendée campaign, it, you know, it's all consuming. It takes, you know, every waking moment you have. And, and apart from that, you know, I spend, you know, probably only four months of the year at home. So, uh, you know, when I, when I consider that my job and what I do, it's my passion, my dream, what I love, you know, ultimately it's still a game. That's what we're doing is playing a game. And, <laughs> and I, I don't see that it's not, it's not correct or right for me to, you know, to, to not be a proper dad, to take that responsibility properly. And as well, you know, support my wife who has, you know, had to give up her life to, to look, look after our kids and run our lives. So, you know, it's about time I pulled my weight at home quite honestly. And, uh, you know, back to the, it's certainly not retirement. You know, we've, uh, we, we as a team, the, the core of us want to stay together and, uh, and we want to build a new boat and we want to go and win the Vendée. You know, for me, that the role for me is going to, will develop depending on which skipper we have and, and what partners, sponsors we have. But, uh, you know, the, that's the main goal. We've got an awful lot of knowledge, understanding to, to uh, complete it technically as well as you know, commercially, what value we can offer. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident we'll put it together and, okay. uh, and hopefully be on the start line. So, so where do you see your role within, within the team then? Um, I think that very much depends who the skipper is, you know. I think, you know, there's a, certainly a mentoring role that can be played, obviously training, sailing, that, those kind of skills, but also communications and, and uh, you know, in terms of working with sponsors to develop the business case and, and provide the value. They're, they're all things that I'm quite good at doing and I like doing all of them. So it kind of depends what, what support the, the, the skipper or the team might need. So just to, to clarify, you're hoping or you're planning to enter the next Vendée Globe as a team, uh, with, with obviously with a different skipper. That is the plan, yeah. That right. is the plan. Who, who's on the shortlist for skipper? Oh, there's lots. There's lots of very able, capable, talented <laughs> skippers, Alec. Uh, you know, there's some. So, there's, some so, one, there's ones I, I can. You know, I very much admire. You know, the likes of Sam Goodchild. You know, he's currently sailing with uh, Leighton, with the multi fifties British. You know, I sailed with him. We sailed with. He sailed actually across the Atlantic with us in 2007. Uh, yeah, I remember he had to fly straight back from New York. To go and do his GCSEs, so he uh, shows that he's come a long way since then. You know, he's very well respected, uh, both in the UK and in France. You know, in the UK, you can also talk about uh, Alan Roberts. You know, he's a he's obviously very well respected. He's done brilliantly in the Figaro class. You know, naval architect, very smart. You know, there's you know that's on the British side. Let alone looking further afield. Certainly in France, there are a plethora of very talented, you know, young skippers. So. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's interesting. So nationality isn't, isn't the deciding factor then? It doesn't have to be a Briton? No, I mean, that's where we come from. But no, it doesn't have to be a Brit. You know, it's, uh, we've, we, what, what, we've, what we've learned is uh, very transferable to, 
any nationality. I mean, in my heart of hearts, Alex, you know, would love to work with somebody international because, you know, I'm still, I still feel like I'm the international PR department for the Vendee. Um, but it's, it, it doesn't need to be. And, uh, and, and actually from a, you know, in terms of notoriety, I guess, in, in France, it's, it's probably one of the places where I'm most well-known. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the, the two Britons you mentioned do a lot of their sailing in France and, and, and are known there as well for, for that. So um, and is there going to be some sort of competition um, for deciding who's going to who's going to be this sailor or um, you can run some sort of trials? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you go into these campaigns, we, we, we talk about it. It's a, for us, it's a team event, but ultimately there's. There's somebody that sits at the top of that who who takes all the glory and you know does a lot of the work. He's he or she is a personality, and uh, you know in previous times that was me, and and I'm certainly able and willing and wanting to support that person. But you know ultimately, you know that's they've got to work with the partner. So in some ways, it's I don't want to put the cart before the horse. You know the most important thing is to find you know the right the right partners that 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 come with the right for the right reasons, you know, and, and, and we're able to then work with them to create the value and, and that will, you know, to a degree, define who that person needs to be. Um, and, and on that note, just ex- explain um, the situation with, with the sponsors, with Hugo Boss, um, what's, what's going on there, what with those partnerships and, and new partnerships that are coming in? Um, well, the, our partnerships, so our, our contracts with with all our current sponsors end at the end of this year, um, and uh, and uh, that, that includes Hugo Boss, and uh, yeah, no, it's the end of an era with with uh, Hugo Boss. You know, I've felt very privileged to be, you know, part of their stable. They've been amazingly loyal to me, and and uh, you know, they've challenged us, pushed us, and you know, to some degree, they've you know, they've allowed me and the team to you know, publicize the sport around the world. They've enabled us to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm supremely grateful to them. But uh, they, they will step down, certainly as a title. Um, I'll, I'll almost certainly stay very close to them, but uh, they'll step down as a title. So that that's the main job for us, is to replace, you know, Hugo Boss as the title. Uh, you know, there's a tremendous opportunity for someone there, particularly from an international type brand, perhaps. Um, as for our other sponsors, and Nokia, we're still working with them. Uh, there's the the tech side of this. Alec is very interesting now. With you know the we have a, a an amazing ability to demonstrate tech that's coming on and demonstrate it working that perhaps is quite hard to understand otherwise. So particularly um, AI, artificial intelligence, that we're able to use to suck up some of the more mundane jobs on board the boat. So, you know, obviously we're not allowed outside assistance, but that assistance can be provided by a computer on board the boat. And so it's a it's a great way to demonstrate this kind of technology. There's a bit of AI technology, if, if I remember correctly, from, from the last farm day, which I'm sure is being developed further, um, where it, it, it's trying to spot um, marine animals, mammals um, in, in the ocean uh, to avoid collisions. Um, in the same way as you'd avoid, obviously, trying you try and avoid um, you know, floating containers. I've done an awful lot of miles in on the sea. I can tell you, I've never seen a floating container. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of mammals out there. Now, now there is, there, there, for us, when when we had our collision in in nineteen, 
you know, when we stopped at 3G, we, we whatever we hit was under the surface. So our, our assumption is that we hit a whale. And, uh, and due to that incident, we, uh, I felt we couldn't do anything. We couldn't do nothing, you know, to me, apart from the fact that I could have been killed and so could Neil and we could have sunk the boat. You know, the main, main thing here is, is that we, we have a responsibility to not hit these animals who have to live in the ocean. So um, we work with a company called Future Oceans in, uh, down in Australia, and they developed a, a pinger, which uh, goes in the front of the keel. Um, and it's, it's the same as the ones that get used on nets for dolphins and whales, etc. stop them going in the nets. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a number, maybe half the fleet of Imoka now have these, these pingers. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of science behind it. You know, you can't, uh, the, the data is pretty much, uh, can only be uh, who did you have one and did you have any collisions to, to not. But uh, at the moment, it looks fairly positive. And I think it's a, you know, important step forwards. Apart from that, we have another device which has um, been developed called, called the Oscar. It's uh, my son's called Oscar, but uh, they're not uh, just coincidence. <laughs> no connection. <And> <laughs> a thermal camera that sits at the top of the mast with a video camera as well. And, and, it's, and it's been taught to, to detect objects. So if it sees an object in the water, it can set off an alarm. You've only got 600 meters, which is, you know, that if you've got something coming towards you at 20 knots and you're doing 20 knots, you, you're, you haven't got very long seconds. Um, but it can also now be connected into the autopilot system. And in theory, it can drive around these objects. So it's technology in progress. You know, it's a great step forwards. You know, I think it's, I think it's exactly the way we have to go. And there's a lot of teams committing to it and developing it. And so, yeah, it's looking like we could have a, a reliable kind of system to, to uh, you know, to stop some, stop some of these collisions from happening. In the TJV this year, we've got um, a, a brand new boat from 11th hour racing um which it, it's a bit of an experiment in in many ways we know absolutely everything about it um and in other ways we don't know anything about it um we know everything about it because as it, it was a sustainability experiment absolutely everything uh, has been measured um in order to establish its real carbon footprint um and we don't know anything about it because it hasn't been properly tested on on on, on the seas and um in races at the moment so we'll see how it performs um, but I think the, some of the, the numbers, um, uh, as far as the carbon footprint was concerned, um, is eye, uh, they're eye-popping. The Imoka class has really got to go down a, a, a greener, more sustainable route in the building process. Do, do you agree? Well, I think these, these building processes are going to evolve for sure over time. But that, that's not something that can happen overnight. You know, you can't just... Uh, suddenly change uh, into something else it, it it needs to happen over time but uh, it will happen and you know we, sh we should remember although the process is is pretty ugly very ugly of building one of these boats it's um they last for a long time you know once they're built they don't really suck up any more you know huge nastiness and put in a poor sustainability and they last for a very long time so you know although they're not very nice to make and that process is going to get better and better and better you know, today, you know, we've got boats still racing that are more than 20 years old. So, you know, that, that's pretty amazing. OK, well, um, best of luck with the future, with the new skipper, the, the new sort of the, the reforming of, of the team. We shall follow it closely and I'm sure you'll be there cheering them on at the start line of the next Van de Globe. Yeah, nice one. Thanks a lot, Alex. Take care, man. Bye. Remember how you communicate will determine how well you do and how far you'll go. 
in your career. So if you ever have to talk in public at a conference to colleagues or even at a wedding, then presentingacademy.com will help you be a success and to do it by banishing those nerves, presentingacademy.com, check it out. Now, Alex mentioned a couple of potential successes as skipper of Alex's racing team. Um, well, you can hear full interviews with those two that he mentions on previous episodes of Sailing Uncovered. There's Alan Roberts. He's on episode 35. You can check that out. And Sam Goodchild is talking to us in episode 36. Never let it be said. We don't have our finger on the pulse. Now, as it happens... I caught up with Sam last week, just before the start of the TJV. He's competing in an awesome 50-foot trimaran, an Ocean 50, and he's the only Briton in the fleet of seven boats. So I started by asking why he's doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big race for us because it's a race across the Atlantic, double-handed, and all the big names of the offshore racing world are here. The old teams, the Imokas, the the class 40s and the ocean 50s so everyone turns up here to do this race and it's where we it's the big showdown of the year really there's three big events in france the the Vendée globe the route de rum the transatlantic rub so um it is a place where all three classes come together apart from the route de rum which is every four years and we get to kind of line up against the best on on the race course that these boats are designed for which is ocean racing across the atlantic and what about for you personally or as a pair personally you know it's it's, it's all part of a progression towards you know the Vendée Globe is it not? Um, I think we I mean, we both enjoy offshore racing as a whole Emmerich started in the minis and I started in Figaro's and we both did class 40s and we're here and we love learning pushing the limits and doing new things and this is kind of a next chapter in that in that book of trying to find new limits and learn new things and do offshore racing and we're in a new class this year the Ocean 50 um, where there's a bunch of experienced sailors and great boats and the boats are quite full on to handle and to sail and trying to find that balance between performance and safety and, and trying to win the race isn't something easy to do and it's, it's an exciting challenge. Um, well tell us about the Ocean 50, tell us about the boat. But I guess the easiest way to describe the boats is that they're the same power as a Imoka, which we all know the Vendée Globe boats, but they're half the weight, um, which means they're a bit of a handful. Um, they're more stable upside down than the right way up. <laughs> which means um, they can go fast very easily but you need to be careful to not push the limits too far. Um, and they're, they're just awesome boats where there's, there's, it's really um, try, really trying to put the cursor at the right place at the right time and trying to get the best out of the boats, not something that's easy to do. So, um, so that's, it's, it's a real challenge compared to a class 40 where you can just pull the sails up and you might tip over but it'll come back up and, um, it's, and you kind of, you're just looking at performance only really. Here we've got a whole new element that comes in which, um, which is quite exciting. From the outside we're 50 metres wide but the hull's only about a metre wide um, and it's so long and thin and um, we're between the mast and the back of the boat is our living area. Um, you, when you come down the hatch you're about in the middle of that area so to the front is um, most of our storage, our wet weather gear, our safety gear and the engine that helps us get out of the marina and to the back is our chart table, sleeping area on the floor and ballast tank and that's about it. It's, it must be about three square metres. And, and do you have any comforts, any special comforts on board? Um, before we got we, one comfort each, I've got a bunk made, which is just a little net which we can sleep on, and Emmerich has his net to put fruit in so we can go with fresh fruit. That's our one comfort <laughs> each. 
the idea is just to take us off the bottom of the hull um, and not sleep in a beanbag so there's a bit of airflow. And I remember the last jet grab two years ago, the last week coming into Brazil, it was impossible to sleep in the daytime because it was too hot. So I'm trying to counter that problem. I'll, I'll let you know in a few weeks how that went. When the boat leaves the dock, it has their honey waffles on. <laughs> and I've got a great team that makes sure that it's always the case. And how do you eat those honey waffles? How do you like them? Uh, just as they are. It's a packet of six. There's, there's real ones and there's fake ones, and you need to be careful not to get the fake ones because it's not the same taste. And you can blind test me any day of the week and I'll tell you which ones are the fake ones. <laughs> Thanks to Sam Goodchild and a huge thank you to Alex Thompson for taking time out with his family uh, to talk to us here on Sailing Uncovered. And that is it for this episode of Sailing Uncovered. Remember to check out presentingacademy.com and talk in public with confidence. From me, Alec Wilkinson, it's goodbye. <laughs>